podcraft. Hi, welcome to Asheville Talk, a show about entrepreneurs, city influencers, and the fascinating people that make up the fiber of this town we call Asheville. I'm your host, Daniel Castillo, a local realtor with Dixon Pacifico Real Estate. Today, I'm sitting down with a dear friend of mine, Katie Rice, which I am super excited to bring her to y'all because she has played such an influential role in not only my mental health, which you'll understand here shortly why, but professionally as well. She has played a huge role in in not only helping me stay motivated, but also helping me find direction when when I didn't have it or I didn't know where I was trying to go. So with that said, Katie Rice, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Wow. Thank you, Daniel. What a great introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. And for those of you that don't know Katie Rice, Katie Rice is, um, you're going to understand like why I appreciate her so much. So she comes from a background of uh, mountain bike endurance racing. She also comes from a background in building. She is a real estate investor here locally in town. She has also done, she dove into life coaching. And through that, she also found that her audience really wanted real estate investing coaching. So she offered that to her audience. So there's so many different things that we could talk about today. Uh, But before we get into all of that, right, I want to talk a little bit about you and like getting to Asheville. So you were born, you mentioned you were born in Seattle. Yeah. And at the age of four, you moved to Columbia. I moved to Columbia, not South Carolina, Columbia, South America. And a little bit of context here. What was, this was in the eighties? Uh, yeah, well, I moved oh. there in 1978. 78. Yes, this is now dating me. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> and you moved there because your dad worked for the DEA. My dad worked for the DEA. Yeah, he uh, he started here in the Northwest and was the you know undercover guy, and then got a position, got offered a position in Bogota. Colombia and um, the DEA. For those of you who don't know what it stands for, is the Drug Administration Enforcement Administration. And so it was a very exciting time, as most of us know now, to move down to um, Colombia in the 1980s and fight the drug cartels. It was it was very exciting. That's right. And for those of you that don't have Netflix or haven't ventured onto Narcos, her dad is actually the blonde guy within <laughs> the show. <laughs> maybe the blonde, maybe the dark hair. I, I don't know. I can't. See Say, I'm going to have to let you guys uh, figure that one out. But but the drug, like the whole drug thing, Pablo Escobar, all of that was going on when your dad was down there. That's what took him down there, right? Yeah, yeah. The um, the Medellin cartel and then later the Cali cartel. So we lived in Bogota for five years. And then we moved to Cali uh, where my dad worked on, on the Cali cartel. And very exciting times. And he was actually... The uh, officer who opened the case on Pablo Escobar, and uh, although there there are other other drug lords that are that are maybe not quite as notorious, but uh, actually a little worse than than him. But he's so he's so popular that Pablo right. guy. <laughs> and so you guys were how long were you down in Colombia? How long did you live down there? I was there uh, for about six years total. Six years. Yeah, my wow. formative growing up years. You know. And did you just go to like? 
Colombian schools or did you have a special school that you went to that they have a system set up for uh, for like the the families of the agents or anything like right, that? Right, right. Good question. I I actually went to private schools. Um, they were uh, the interesting mix. You know, there were some Colombians there, but very international. A lot of international kids and um, a, a tremendous education. Let me tell you, I had to learn to. Uh, you know, do a lot of my studies, a lot of my classes in, in a foreign language in Spanish and um, just high caliber education. It was great. And so you enjoyed that experience looking back at it? I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, also looking looking at my whole experience through the eyes of a child. So, uh, you know, I understood like seeing, you know, people with guns standing around and the whole culture and understanding, you know, what it was. It didn't phase me as much because I was a child, you know, different. Sure. Perspective, different perspective. Yeah. Okay. So now let's fast forward a little bit. <laughs> you go to school and what was your degree in again? I have a degree in building science from Appalachian State University. Okay. So for the people out there that don't know much about building science, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Building science is basically, if you think about green building today, it's pretty synonymous with that. So we studied uh, alternative energy systems, healthy buildings, how to make, uh, m mostly how to make energy efficient buildings. And this was way back when, and I had this great professor, Jeff Tiller, who was a real amazing pioneer in this field and um, ran the technology department up there at App State. And I was one of two women in the whole program. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it was great. It was, it was a good time to get in and a great program at the school. So I feel really fortunate. And then, so you co-owned the business with your previous husband at the time. Yeah. After I went to school and studied that degree, I got married up in Boone. And uh, my husband at the time, Brad Rice, he and I started a construction company. Uh, it wasn't actually until we moved to Asheville in 2000 that we started that company. And um, we started just building high-end spec homes because the market allowed for that at the time. And then we got into custom work once our name got known. And um, I was behind the scenes for a long time because I was um, we were starting a family and I was lucky enough to be a stay-at-home mom and did that. And I just kind of helped with the books and helped on the back end of the business until the kids went to school full time. And then I jumped in with two feet. And then how did you niche, in, niche yourself into the business? What, like what were some of your roles or what was your main role within that? Uh I, you know, if my husband was logistics man, I was big company idea person. So setting future pacing, um, client acquisition, marketing, uh, expansion, um, you know, and I, I really loved um, design work. So I started doing a lot of design work and morphed. Eventually we morphed the company into a design build business. So you were more of the visionary. Yes. I hope that you're enjoying the show. Asheville Talk will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Lancaster Law Firm, a real estate law firm focused on high quality service and an elevated client experience. To learn more, visit LancasterLawFirm.com. And now back to the show. So there's one thing that I got from this book, Traction which anybody out there that's into entrepreneurship, I highly recommend reading this book, especially if you're ever wanting to build a team. But they talk about the visionary and the integrator. 
Mm-hmm. Right, the visionary is going to be the more social person, the person that uh, generates the sales and everything like that, and the integrator is going to be the one to make sure that uh, the whole fulfillment process, that everything is organized and aligned and uh, moving smoothly. Yeah, big picture. I'm the big picture person always. Yeah, so, very cool. So you did that, right? And then from there, you've since transitioned into real estate investing for yourself. That's that's your gig, right? And now you're also doing some coaching with the life realm as well as the real estate realm. So what, if you don't yeah. mind sharing a little bit about that, how you got into that and, and how that's evolved. Sure, sure. Yeah. Love the evolution of it. And it seemed a natural fit. Um, uh, many, many years ago, uh, when we were still married and still running in our construction business, I got into, I picked up a book, um, the Robert Kiyosaki book that has affected. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has affected lots and lots of people. Um, it really is a great read. Uh, it uh, it opens opens a lot of mindset, you know, about investments and money and, and this kind of stuff. So I read that and then I said, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in real estate. And so I wouldn't let myself do anything for 12 months. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said to myself, you have to educate yourself, read every book possible for 12 months before you do anything. So that's what I did. I took a year and I got my, uh, my hands on every book that I could find. And um, exactly 12 months later, I bought three properties and just started, you know, jumped in with two feet and, and just started experimenting and um, started flipping and buying rentals and, and it just has evolved, uh, from there. And just having a construction background really helps. Um, and here I am today, fast forward. Uh, I think it was about a year ago that I realized that I wanted to coach, um, people outside of CrossFit <laughs> in a different realm and started throwing, you know, kind of promoting myself, marketing myself. And, um, and then had, had people ask me, Hey, uh, I'm interested if you'll coach me in real estate investing. So I was like, Hey, I don't know. Sure. Let's try it. And, uh, started and, and, uh, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a neat experience for me. Yeah, because like you were talking about, you're marketing yourself. And for the people that didn't that don't didn't see this, it's so cool how it happened because I kinda I got to to watch it happen and I didn't know exactly how it all came came about. But since hearing your story, it, it all connected and you would share some of your own stories, right? And wanting people to interact with you. And this was just a way of you connecting with people and through doing that that life coaching or lifestyle coaching, right? And sharing your own stories and experiences to be able to, to relate to others. That's when they started saying like, well, I want to learn more about that. Is it not? Yeah, it's fascinating. Because it wasn't ever a mission. It wasn't ever a mission. At the end of the day, I just was throwing myself out there. I sort of have this this mindset of how how can I be of service? And I'm asking myself all the time, part of my growth and development is, how do I serve more people in a greater way? And what's my highest and best use? Uh, I love connecting with people. I love uh, guiding people, pushing people. Um, I, I think I, I, the feedback is I'm pretty good at it. You know what I mean? And so I just want to be used in the right way. So I'm really open to what that means. You know, what do you need today? Do we need mindset work? What do you need today? Do we need to make money? Do we need to hustle? Um, do you need to love on yourself a little bit more? So it's, it's a big picture. 
Um, and, and I just, I just want to offer my services to more people. It's awesome. Be open to it. Sure. There's an organic process, right? When we're open to it. And it really, to me, is about surrendering into that process. So without being so fixated on this is exactly what I'm going to do, it's more like this is my mission and put that word out there to the world. This is my mission. This is what I want to do, guys. Hey, how can I help you? And then letting the people, the market, if you will, but the, really the people dictate to me uh, how that's to be done. Sure. Being open to that. Now, I want to talk about, not to get too deep on things, but there is something that I want to talk about that I think is going to be of huge value to the people that are listening, right? Because it's played <laughs> such an influential role in me and a lot of the moves that I've made. And this is the power of allowing yourself to daydream, uh -huh. right? <laughs> I love it. So, so yeah. talk a little bit about, you know, the power of daydreaming and what that can do for somebody. Well... It's huge. I use it in my daily practice, and it's something I use with my all my students, no matter what kind of coaching we're doing. Um, I think that we, a lot of us, are very pragmatic, and we get uh, potentially stuck in what we should be doing, and a lot of the shoulds. And we have to remember that it's important to, in order to become the people that we want to be, it's important to remember our dreams and visualize. Actually take the time. There's a time component and an energetic component to daydreaming. So in other words, the two parts are, first I have to envision it, right, and think through it. And I tell everybody, what I want from you here is lots and lots and lots of details. Don't skip over the details. When you're painting this picture in your mind, okay, what does the sun actually feel like on your body, right? What do things really look like? The tiny, the, the corner of a space, details, colors, shapes, and then the second component is when we're having this visualization is to breathe deeply and feel it somewhere in the body. For a lot of us, it's visceral. It's in our gut. But maybe it's our heart. Maybe it's our fingertips. It doesn't matter. But we have to be able to feel it in the body because then what we're doing is we're connecting the mind with the body. And as woo-woo as all this sounds, I dare you to try it. It's pretty powerful. Every day, you need to give yourself 20 minutes of daydream time. It's a game changer. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, there was a point in my life where I felt very lost. I didn't have any big picture goals or anything like that. And I remember having that conversation. Mm. And this is something I would daydream a lot at, at a younger age. And that molded a lot of the goals that I set for myself. And, and I lost that. And I brought it back. And bringing it back was one of the most energizing, rejuvenating, invigorating. I mean, you choose your word. Like, it completely changed the way that I started to approach things, perceive them. Uh, my mindset, all of it just changed, just bringing that little thing back. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you, you know, you make a really good point. These are, these are the things of our inner child. These are the things that children do without thinking about it, right? And, and then we get older and we get, you know, life happens to us. And we have to remember to cultivate that, those childlike 
dreams and visions and actions. Now, would you say that there's any any experience or any group of experiences that led you to start venturing into that whole coaching realm? <laughs> I don't think we have enough time for that today. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, that's a good question. You put me on the spot. If I really am going to be frank, it's about being responsible for my own joy and happiness. Now, is there anybody out there that maybe played a huge, like a big influential role into to helping you transition into that, that inspired you to do that or anything like that? Wow. Just one person. It doesn't have to be one person, mm. but just somebody that maybe comes to mind or something like that. Yeah. Well, I... Um, I do a lot of work uh, with my therapist. I have this great therapist that I've been going to for maybe at least six years here in town. Um, I'd love to give out his name. Am I allowed to say, do a shout out? Why not? <laughs> um, Prepo Teplitsky is with HeartShare Counseling, and he's fabulous. And and the work on self-compassion and um, the self-exploration of happiness and joy has been paramount. And it's something – It's it's just – like getting massage therapy or anything else. It's something that I integrate in my life and um, continue to do uh, uh, with a commitment, um, you know, twice a month. That's I don't skip it pretty much. It's just what I do. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, like working out, like yeah. training, like anything yep. else. It's the training for my soul, which, uh, you know, if, if I'm in line with my mental health, my physical health and my spiritual health, then I'm in line to be a real powerful person and live the life that I want and create the experiences that, that I'm looking for. That's awesome. So this show is very much about the fascinating people that make up the fiber of Asheville, right? Asheville is, is not only the mountains. Uh, if you want to look at it like food and art, it's not just about food and art. It's about all of the people that make that food, that art, and then all of the other people that are also here in the town that make up everything else, right? And you're one of those people to me. And I want to learn a little bit more about what keeps you in Asheville. Like somebody like you mm -hmm. who, who brings so much to the table, like what, what fascinates you about Asheville that keeps you here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thank you. I Well, um, if normalizing is a really important thing in life and my coaches and mentors tell me that that's important, then I'm here to, to practice that. And what that means is me being around like-minded people. And, you know, Asheville is a very unique place. Uh, we have so many entrepreneurs uh, because of the, the logistics of not having an industry. So it's a certain type of person that lives here and comes here. Um, I call us all hustlers. You know, we have to be uh, creative, inventive, ingenious. And we also need each other and we rely on each other in a different way. Our community uh, and our micro communities tend to be really tight. And there's a level of connection here Uh that is, is just really special. I, you can go to a lot of big cities and there's a lot to offer like food and, and shopping and beer and wine and whatnot. But, but I think maybe missing some deep connectivity 
that that's what I find here in Asheville that's like-minded. You know, the people that are here, Daniel, really want to be here, which in my experience, what I see is that they're willing to give up something else. Like maybe it is um, the big fancy house or, or you know, a different uh, a lower cost of living that you could get somewhere else, right? Um, but they're looking for something different, something a little more personal, something a little deeper. Uh, that's my experience. Maybe those are just the circles that I run in. <laughs> sure. But, but that's not true. Actually, I take that back because wherever I go on a daily basis, I can kind of just stop in anywhere and have these micro experiences with people. Um, just uh, someone that's selling you your coffee or, you know, uh, any sort of store or, um, or business around town. Um, and somebody said to me once that Asheville is a vortex. <laughs> and I don't know what that means in, in the life of science. Sure. Uh, but I, I could go as, as far to say that there, there's a special energy here. People are drawn to it. So I feel really lucky, really blessed. And so what are some of your other favorite things about town? So we just kind of like said, like, why Asheville, why you like it? But what are some of your favorite things either to do here in town? Well, actually, let's just start out like, what are some of your favorite, what are some of your highlights of Asheville? Well, um, so we have well, the people, I, the, we have the people, the energy of the people. Absolutely. That starts with that. Um, and then, you know, I, Pisgah National Forest is right, because you're huge into mountain biking. I'm huge into mountain biking and, and we have some of the best mountain biking in the world actually, uh, here in Brevard. Um, and, it's all right here at my fingertips, you know, in 30 to 45 minutes, I've got uh, world-class trails that just go on and on. And it never ceases to take my breath away when I'm out there. Um, I call Pisgah Forest my church, and uh, it's healing on many levels. It's adventure. It's adrenaline. <laughs> it's what I need to be on that edge on life. Uh, yeah, it's so. And... One thing that just kind of hit me just now, but Asheville, it's not huge, right? We've got like 88 to 90,000 people living in Asheville proper. But with that said, we also have like upwards of 500 independently owned restaurants, mm -hmm. right? And all other types of businesses. And with that much volume, like it's easy to become overwhelmed. And it's also easy to discover new gems all the time. So what's what's a gem that you have that you would like to share with people out there that someone may already know about or may not know about that, that you're going to help them discover? A gem? Well, yeah, I can hardly keep up, right? <laughs> right now, they're just, they're popping up all over the place. I, I'm on the west side right now, and uh, every day I'm just blown away about all these, you know, great new places. And, um, you know, I find gems in the smaller unknown places. Check this out. This is a perfect story. I'm wa uh, walking home from the gym yesterday, the CrossFit gym in West Asheville on Haywood Road. And... I'm walking by this store that I've seen before. It's got like vacuum cleaners in the window. And I'm thinking, I need a new vacuum cleaner. And I, so I stop in and there's this older gentleman in there. The cat also kind of drew me in from the window, right? 
20 minutes later, I've just had the best conversation with this gentleman about his life, how he got here to Asheville, um, what he does, a little bit about what he's about. He took me to the back of his shop. He's showing me all these vacuum cleaners that he refurbishes. And But he tells me his story, how he used to work with this company and what brought him here and how much he loves Asheville and sort of his journey. That is a gem. You know why? Because I wasn't looking for it. It just appeared. The vacuum cleaner shop on Haywood Road. Who knew? It's not always what we expect, a certain restaurant or a bar or the things that have the, the lights and the glitter, when there's plenty of that here too, right? Um, but the, I, I guess in a way, I, I hope this answers your question, but it just keeps coming back to the people that are here and having the, the chance to have those experience. That's the gem. And so what's been one of your favorite or more memorable experiences that you've had since living in Nashville? Oh, wow. Um, you know, one of my favorite things is uh, um, the first thing that comes to mind. I, I don't know why. It's just when, when people are like, hey, it's, it's I'm thinking like summertime. It's that's my favorite season. And and it's like Sunday mid-morning and everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And this organic day starts to unfold and it's, hey, meet me for brunch at the vault. And we all go to the vault and we're just, you know, by the way, the vault has some of the best bar food in town. So you're one there. of the best burgers in and town. One of the best burgers for sure. And they're nachos. Anyway, um, you know, you're there, you're sitting out in the sun and you're hanging with your friends. And then it's like, what are we going to do? And then, you, you know, you, you bop around town and you see people, maybe you buy something. And then it's like, now we're going to go and you're at Richmond Hill Park and you're playing Frisbee golf and in this just amazing course. You're in the middle of the woods having fun or maybe you're floating down the river and so one of my favorite things to do is just bump into people and let the day unfold or the evening um, and let it be that real organic experience. There's so much to do, so much to see and experience here. I agree. Like, I mean, it's it's really hard to nail down just one experience that is generally um, the highlight. It's much easier to, to sometimes highlight to pinpoint like what's some type of new experience that you didn't expect or something new that you've brought into your life. But just one highlight uh, can be very challenging. But I, I agree with that. I spent some time living off of Haywood Road. And one of my absolute favorite things was being able to, you get to know the people that Haywood Road, uh, West Asheville is so popular because it's walkable, right? right. That's one of the right. allures to it. And with that said, like you get to know a lot of people just walking up and down the road and everything, whether you know a lot about each other or you just happen to cross paths a lot and it just becomes like you just say, hey, because you recognize each other. And and yeah, it just really helps deepen that sense of community and and by far one of the more valuable things. Yeah. Sure. And, there, you know, there's there's it's a small town, but there's uh, totally random experiences. Um, one of them is is going to the Grove Park and. I can remember showing up there with a bunch of friends uh, a couple years back and ending up down at the piano bar and and we were singing along and everybody's just like, woo, having so much fun. I would not have pictured myself there. But again, this totally, you know, unfolded and became a most amazing night at the piano bar in the, it's like a basement or something like that of the Grove Park. I don't know if they still have it or not, but I mean, how fun is that? Totally unexpected, you know, random, not random. So, uh, yeah, there's if you if you're open, if you're open to surrendering into it, you're going to have a really good time in this town.
I agree. Well, Katie, I think uh, we've got um, a lot of what we needed to get in here without dragging this out to like a, a two-hour type of conversation. Right, right. So I, I want to thank too. you so much for coming <laughs> on. But if people wanted to connect with you and learn more about you, what would be one of the best ways to do that? Well, just look for me around town. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, Katie K. Rice, and uh, katierice.ashville.com is, is one of my design websites, and you can reach me there. But um, I can also get in touch with you. It should be a good lead-in for you. There we go. Yes, yeah, so if you want to get a hold of, <laughs> of Katie Rice, I'm going to be helping her uh, do some of the vetting and everything. And so you've got to sell yourself to me in order to uh, – to get in contact with her. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but awesome. No, I want to thank you so much for coming on again. If, if you enjoyed the show, please go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, you know, leave us a, a five-star review would be best. Uh, but but you, feel, you put out there what you feel it deserves. Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to catch up with y'all next time. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Asheville Talk. If you'd like to learn more about the show, you can find us on Facebook at Asheville Talk. If you or someone you know would like to be featured on the show, send me a note. You can email me, daniel at dixonpacifica.com. Again, daniel at dixonpacifica, all one word, dot com. I look forward to hearing from you and see you next time. Asheville Talks theme music is Return of Jafar, courtesy of Natural Born Leaders from Asheville, North Carolina. Visit them at naturalbornleadersband.com. Asheville Talk is produced by Podcraft. Create a great podcast at podcraft.us.